and welcome to the Airbnb podcast, the Fan Buzz NBA podcast. I'm your host, Bo Cherney, joined as always by my co-host, Ben Bornstein. Ben, how is it going? It is great, sir. The playoffs have started. We're in the midst of all the playoffs, all, got, yeah. all the series. Let's ride. Um, I'm going to be honest. First round has kind of sucked so far. Uh, it's been a lot of blowouts, or there's been a few close games, and a couple of really good games. But for a lot, I think I saw last night, it's like 12 of the 16 games so far have been decided by 10 or more points. Yeah, that's not fun for everyone. And I mean, there's a couple like the first, I think, first Pistons-Cavs game might have been decided by 10 points, but that was a good game anyways. But other games, not so much. Well, not the the Spurs Memphis series has been terrible. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen. Though Memphis just does not have enough guys. Portland Clippers is not as close as everyone thought it would be. I think I know I had Portland winning, and now they've been blown out twice. Um, nobody, I don't think anybody thought the Miami Heat were going to destroy the Hornets twice and have two of their greatest halves in playoff franchise history against the Hornets, you know? That's if nobody saw that coming. And I and I think I even took the Hornets in 6 in this series. So now I'm looking thanks everybody for making me look incredibly stupid. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Seven. You did? I you did. I did. Oh, I took, well maybe I took not. Hornets in 6. Awesome. I may not be as stupid as I look. All right, <laughs> great. Anyways, let's start here. Actually, the first Pistons Cavs game was 5 points either way. It was a great game. Let's start with them because even though the Cavs won last night and they go up 2 nothing, things got really interesting post-game. Um, this actually wasn't on camera. This wasn't like in an NBA TV interview or anything. But afterwards, Stanley Johnson, speaking in a media scrum, said that he was in LeBron's head. Dude. And... um. Dude. Yeah, the rookie might might find out in a bad way what what, what that's, that's not a spot do. he wants to be in, or and this I mean, hey, I'll, just, I'll just start off with this. It's a dumb thing to say to anybody. Oh, I think they're in their head. We're down two zero. LeBron just scored twenty six eight and six on us or whatever he had. What are you doing? <laughs> like you <laughs> lost. This is this is that moment where I you're down you're down ten points with a minute left and you say we've got him right where we want him. That's you know, that's kind of what that's like. You know, they're up by seven. They won by 17, and they were up 2-0. But that's exactly where we want to be. What? They've fallen into our trap. <laughs> Behind loss was only another loss. <laughs> but, I mean. I will give Stanley Johnson this, though. He has been, he's not scared at all. Unafraid. Of LeBron, he actually he he is one of the most poised rookies I think in these playoffs right now. He's he's had to guard LeBron James. He's done a decent job. He's not given LeBron the shots he wants. He's made he's made him go to those turnaround jumpers on the baseline over him, and sure he's hit him, but that's still not an easy shot. If you're making LeBron hit those shots, you're doing a good job. And but to say yeah, I'm in his head. That's you. You you've either just set yourself up for the greatest LeBron game in the Palace at Auburn Hills, or 
you're about to have the greatest defensive game against LeBron ever. I like what and, someone someone on Twitter said. It's like the amazing thing about this is that LeBron's either going to put up it pretty much like you said. LeBron's either going to put up like a forty point game, or it's going to be amazing, or he's going to have a bad game where we're going to have an amazing storyline. Yeah, and Stanley Johnson's going to look like a genius. Yeah, Stanley Johnson. Well, this I guess guy. that's why SVG likes him so much. Completely. Speaking of that, SVG also talked about this a little bit, getting fined 25K after the first game for saying, you know, they're not going to call LeBron's for offensive fouls, and they know that. How did you feel about that 25K fine? It was worth it. I'm pretty sure they called two offensive fouls on LeBron last night. I would say it was worth it. But uh, they also, it. I mean, I think somebody said he hadn't gotten a fine in two years or so anyway. It was about time. <laughs> Let's be honest. It was, it was, he, he would do that all the time in Orlando because he was always lobbying for Dwight Howard to get more fouls called for him. And it, it worked at times, and I think at the very least it's brought attention to LeBron's charges throughout the series. And I think the, the Pistons will probably get a couple more of those calls at home now, um, especially in front of a really rowdy crowd. And if the Pistons keep playing tough like they do, they should be they should be getting those calls. I just because LeBron does that a lot. He if he has a smaller guy on him, he drops the shoulder or he extends the arm, and a lot of times he gets away with it. But I the the refs know now if because if they, they're gonna get a they're gonna get a nice talking to from SVG if they don't call it. Yeah, it's like uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna get fined, make it worth it. This might be something that was worth it. I mean, they might still lose the series, but if you're starting to maybe shift of, you know, looking at they're looking at it at least, that's a win. Yeah, he makes. I mean, he's ahead of basketball. He's he, GM. He doesn't have to worry about the money. He doesn't, he doesn't have to worry yeah. about the fine. He he's fine. He'll probably get like like a bonus for that. I don't know. He'll probably get a, Here's playoff. There's bonus actually, yeah, it's actually a stipulation in his contract. If you talk trash about the refs in the playoffs, we'll actually pay your fine and pay you money. I think <laughs> it I think it was him last night. I'm trying to figure out who it was. It was I think it had to be SVG because I think it was on TNT. But they showed like a clip of him just like you know like a, you know, asking the ref, "How are you doing? You know, how far are you going?" Oh the yeah, that was a good yeah. One. We, we already know. It's like, oh yeah, you're in the first trying to climb up, just like we are. It's just like, God, he's working the officials so, so hard, hard right now. It was awesome. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, let's move on to I think the series people expected to be the closest in the East: Hawks and Celtics. Not that way so far. Hawks up two nothing. All it takes uh, is one injury, man. Yeah, and. That injury might have happened. Avery Bradley, a strained hamstring, expected to be out for the remainder of the series. Kelly Olenek was also out for Game 2 for shoulder issues that he's been dealing with all season. Cavs fans can appreciate that. Oh, oh. they're bringing the heat over there, Ben. Sorry, too early. <laughs> what do you make of this series? Is it it's going back to Boston? They play Game 3 on Saturday, I believe. Can Boston still make it a series without Avery Bradley? Because he is a pretty important he part of their a, team. Yeah, he's. I would argue he's the most important part of that team. He's a guy who plays. He he's going to keep the other, the other team's best guards from 
from getting to where they want to go is going to make life very hard for them. But he's also his his offense has improved enough to where he's actually a threat on offense. He can shoot the ball now, so he's he's not just a three and D guy or even just a defensive guy. He's an actual NBA player, an actually good point guard, and I, I think now Boston has to find a way to run the offense through Evan Turner, which Ooh. you're right. <laughs> you're, you're you're probably not uh, excited about that if you're a Boston Celtics fan because Evan Turner should not be the guy you run an offense through. But Isaiah, if Boston has to decide if they're going to keep Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench or if they're going to start him and say, listen, you're going to have to be the microwave guy from the start instead of just being the guy off the you bench. You mean Evan Turner? Yes, Evan Turner. Sorry. Yeah. But... Because Isaiah Thomas will be starting. He, yeah. he doesn't have a choice now, for sure. But it's I just don't see them overcoming the Hawks, even with the Dennis Schroeder injury, because I don't think he was playing that well anyway in the two games. So, you know, Jeff Teague's going to have to step up his game a little bit, and we might get some third-string point guard action going on. You know, if only the Hawks had a good third-string point guard that could just step in and already knows the offense and hadn't been traded to Utah. Whoop! Um, okay. Anyways, because I don't think that injury is going to be that big of a deal to Schroeder because he played awful in game one. He had literally okay. one of the worst playoff games of all time of anybody in game one. But... What I'm looking at for the series, and you know, they'll go back to Boston. Boston will probably get a boost from the home fans, but I I don't think they have enough, and I don't. I think they've actually been pretty lucky for the first two games to be able to be where they are right now, which is not getting completely, you know, the doors blown off of them in both games, because it was a 17 point game at halftime in game one. You have Marcus Smart start hitting threes again. In game one, you know, that helps you get back. And, and, of course, I mean, they played well in the second half, so I don't want to sound like they just got lucky. But Marcus Smart hitting those shots is pretty lucky, though. Yeah, but not gonna lie. that's what you're relying on at this point. You're, you're To win, you're going to need the Hawks to go completely cold. And we've seen them do that in both games, go completely cold for an entire quarter, and it still hasn't been enough so far. But you're going to need the Hawks to go completely cold. You're going to need Isaiah Thomas to score, like, 30 and, and yeah, and everybody on the Celtics is just going to have to heat up. Yeah, and you're gonna—I mean, you're gonna have to get what, like, fifteen from Evan Turner, or you know, if Olenek's back, get points from him, or Jay Crowder, who hasn't been great offensively yet this series. But you—I mean, you even look at the Hawks. It's like Al Horford's had a good series so far, and you had a good game one from Kent Bazemore, and Jeff Teague's played well, but Paul Millsap, who is the best player on the Hawks, has played terrible so far. And they've still won. And two the Hawks games. are still up two nothing. So this, I mean, I mean, if you if you can't beat the Hawks and Paul Millsap is playing terribly and Jeff Teague has just been average, you you just don't have a chance to win the series. You you have to do more. There was a point in game two where Bazemore and Millsap were shooting a combined three for twenty four from the field. That's one eighth of the shots made. Yeah, that is math, folks. That is twelve point five percent. It's not great. It's, it's not, not what you want out of a shooting percentage. No, that is no. But I, if if you can't be, I mean, sure, we'll we'll see how home court plays in this. But I mean, if you if you can't beat them and Millsap's playing that terribly, and Millsap's been the guy for the Hawks 
really all season. But uh, that's not a good, and good it's, indicator. And it's and, not as if he has a bad matchup anywhere. I mean, he no. has a favorable matchup whoever guards him, and he's still having a bad series. I mean, you have, I mean, who are they playing in the front court? You have Amir Johnson, Sullinger, Jay Crowder. You know, Crowder and Amir Johnson are pretty good defenders. But not Crowder's, so good that Crowder's Paul should be playing smaller. Yeah. And that hurts him. And Amir, John, I don't, Amir Johnson's not quick enough, I don't think. And I actually really like Amir Johnson. He's a really good player. But I don't think they're they're not, you know going to be like okay if you throw them out there for seven games they're going to consistently limit Paul Millsap to 30% shooting from the field yeah <laughs> eventually he's going to have a good game and that could just completely bury the Celtics one more thought I want to talk about since we're talking about Hawks Celtics Tommy Heinsohn oh dude what well, a former Boston player Hall of Famer you know he's currently a commentator I think for NBC's their affiliate their the, NBC the CSN affiliate. Boston or yeah. something yeah Said after game one, you know, dude, Al Horford's not a great player. You just got to get a body on him. Unbelievable. You know, and then he he won't be able to score. This is after Al Horford went off for like twenty four and thirteen or something. That is that is anti tampering. That's what that is. That's that that is a bait and switch tampering. What are you doing, Boston? Do you think? I mean, somebody put a muzzle on this Tommy guy. Tommy like what, like seventy five? He's he's old. Eighty. He's old. He's he's an old dude. So he, he I mean. Classic old man move. He's going to say whatever the hell he wants and really not care. But you think someone in the front office. 81, by the way. 81. 81. Someone in the front office is going to be like, hey, Tommy, you know, this is a guy we're trying to recruit here. We want to sign this guy. You probably shouldn't be going out and on camera. We'd really appreciate if, you know, didn't talk trash about him. Didn't call him. He's not a great player when we're trying to give him a hundred and. $30 $30 million dollar He's contract. likely to be the highest paid Latino player ever in league history this summer. Yeah. So don't screw it up, Tommy Heinsohn. Don't screw it up, man. I mean, the grand scheme of things is probably if Horford wants to go to Boston he's and they're going to pay him, he's yeah. going to go. So this probably doesn't change much. But you still don't but want Heinsen's it. But going to have to issue an apology, I bet. It's going to be great. You still don't be there want it. And if you're Boston. And plus, it's just a bad look overall. I always go with the wrestling analogy. Yeah. I'm going to. But it's like, in wrestling, if you know you're going to lose to a guy, you don't go out there and completely bury him before you lose because then you're just like, oh, well, you said that guy just completely sucked over and over again, but then you lost to him. What does that make of you? Right. So it's like, Al Horford's not a great player. Well, he's averaging 20 points so far in the first two games, and then you're losing to nothing. And what just, does that make, what, if he's not great, what does that make? You and don't be don't listen, man. Don't be mad that you lost, that your team lost. You don't, you know. He's just angry that a guy he didn't expect to have a good game had a good game, even though Al Horford's been playing really well all season. So don't be that guy, Tommy Heinsohn. Don't be that guy. Four time All Star. Yeah, four time All Star. Hop off his jack, home home slice. (laughs) Anyways. We'll move on from the thrilling world of color commentators. <laughs> yas. Into tied one at one. Pacers-Raptors. Oh, yeah. This is... I, I Pacers took game one. I'm pretty sure we said this might happen. The, the Pacers are going to take a couple and make this interesting. They 
Toronto has that. Dude, they have. We both had Toronto in five, by the way. We had Toronto in five, but we did say Pacers. So we yeah, we Pacers. both thought Pacers would take one, make it interesting. This is a classic. This is the this is the Toronto Raptors we've come to know. They're gonna drop a game they shouldn't, and it's because they're always thinking about the you know oh man we we have to get the monkey off our back we have to get past the first <laughs> round oh we have to get to the conference finals oh god we have to get to the conference finals and they tense up, they get tight, they play badly and then wonder what happened. It's happened the past few years now, you, and. You know, the, granted, they're they're still probably going to win the series, but you don't drop the first game of the series at home. That is unacceptable. And that's I saw an interesting segment on the jump, and they were saying Brian Windhorst was apparently with the Raptors for a few days during the year in March, and he was saying they were talking about getting past the first round even then. This stuff is ingrained in their minds, man. They, the, you know, the playoffs are swimming all up in their dome. I mean, I get it why it's in their head, because I don't think as a franchise they've ever been out of the first round. I think for until, like, what was it, last year? It might have been in the year before, but they hadn't even won a playoff game at that point or something like that. Oh, it was crazy, yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculously bad. So, I get that mentality, but when you're going up, I mean, the Pacers had a... Mediocre year. Obviously, they finished over five hundred and got in the playoffs. But I think they, they they did better than their expectations. Right. But they still had a solid year, I would say. But also, they still have Paul George. And whenever you're going up against a legitimate star in the playoffs, things could get difficult for you. And I think he had what thirty three in game one. He really heated up, and I think the third quarter is where he did a lot of damage. They eventually pulled away, and you know the fourth quarter was still close, and then they just exploded late. And took a double-digit lead. The Pacers did, and I don't know what to make the Pacers still. I'm, I mean, they they've got obviously they have Paul George. They have you know Miles some Turner's decent pieces. Really Miles solid. Turner's good. And they have I George always Hill. say Miles Turner. I was I'm on that bandwagon. Rodney hard, Stuckey. Whoever it's, else it's is see, on it. It just seems like a weird collection of players. Yeah, and it's working. So shout yeah. out to Frank Vogel, but and Larry Bird, and Larry Bird. Keep it real, Bray. Keep it real, Bird. The great front office hope. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the great executive hope. There you go. Yeah, he's made he's made lineups with George Hill, Jan Mahinmi, Paul George, Miles Turner, Monte Ellis. Oh yeah, Monte's on that team. Jordan Hill, Ty Lawson. I mean, he's made lineups with all those guys work for the most part. I just, and Frank Vogel obviously has made that work, but this is. Just a mishmash of just weird basketball names that you did not expect to see play together. I'm looking at it, and I just, it's just a weird roster lineup, man. It is just weird. Game three is going to be particularly huge in the series, and that's uh, tonight, actually. We're recording this on the 21st, if you're listening to this late. But if the Pacers win... Win the first Ooh. game at home, things things right, just I mean, got weird. Yeah, because that's bad news for the Raptors because you're facing. I mean, the Raptors could conceivably win Game Four and then win Game Five, and then they're up three two, and no one cares. But you I'll go tell down you who cares? One, the team that has to play them next, they're going to probably be rested. Yeah, but they go down two one, and the Pacers have another home game on deck, and they could potentially go up three one. And what you said earlier, it's like they've been talking about this since March. Well, we got to get out of the first round. They're extremely tense about it as a team. 
if they go down 2-1 and they're facing going down 3-1, that could get really bad. Sure, maybe they could play the game of their life, but, you know, it doesn't always work that way, and it could just tense up and fall apart, and Raptors fans have seen this before, so they're not exactly keen on this. And this, So this will be... This is that's a game to watch. It's not something. I mean, I think it'll be interesting. I yeah, it's it, if you the Toronto Raptors, their best players need to show out. Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan have to show out. There is no reason why those two guys shouldn't be scoring twenty points apiece. I mean, Paul George probably guarding Demar Derozan. He's a good player, but. You, I mean, Kyle Lowry needs to needs to play much better. He's let me find what we've got here. He is averaging fourteen and a half points in this series. DeRozan that, or Lowry? Lowry, yes. Okay. And that is unacceptable. DeRozan is averaging twelve points a game. You know who's averaging the most points per game? Your backup point guard Corey Joseph and Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas had a great game too. That's probably why they won. Yes. No, I did. No, I'm not. Yeah. There's. Yeah. I mean, Valanciunas had a great game, but, but that's that is not the guy you should be relying on to have great games. What was it? Hold on. Let me check Valanciunas here real quick because I remember seeing something. Valanciunas. I spelled it right. Beast mode. Go me. But he had that great game too. And a lot of people were saying he needed to have the great game too. And he did because game one for him was awkward and sort of terrible, even though I think he had like 19 rebounds in game one. Yeah. Jeez. He had 19 rebounds in 21 minutes in game one. But here's the kicker he was 4 14 from the field and like six or something, I think it was, of those rebounds were off his own misses. Padding the stats. Yeah, and he fouled out. Dude. And it was just awful. And you're looking at this, it's like, well, we see some good stuff there, but it's like, that's terrible, and you got to play better. Yeah. Yeah, and then the next game he comes out and puts up the game of his life, really, 23 and 15 playoffs. But they just need a game where everybody puts it together. They haven't had that yet. Yeah, there's, there's just no reason Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan should be having a bad series. Those... And I think they know that, and I think that might be why they're having a bad series. They're thinking about it too much. Guys, stop thinking. It's basketball. Have fun and play. In fact, You're supposed to be loose in the playoffs. Don't tighten up. This is, this is why the Raptors can't do what they're supposed to do, because you guys tighten up all the time. Keep it loose. Let's quit thinking about it so much and move on to the next series, Heat and Hornets. All right, fair enough. Which has been two blowouts. So far, oh man, Miami has. They have had, to, they they so they broke their record in the first game for most points in a half in the playoffs franchise history. The next game they destroy that record. What did they Again. have? They had sixty two in the first game, and then the next one was seventy four. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> seventy two, maybe. In this. What? And it's been the same thing both games. They. Get good dribble penetration. They get buckets. They either get buckets inside, or if Charlotte's defense starts to cheat, they kick it out and hit a three wide open. And every time, 
and Hassan Whiteside has been really good on the offensive boards too. He he when when those penetrators get in there and Charlotte kind of swarms them and they don't really box anybody out and then Hassan Whiteside kind of sneaks in and says, "Oh, you're going to give me the ball back? All right, I'll put it back and dunk it." Yeah. You know, he's been really good about that. And Wade was great in game 2 with 28 points. Uh that there really wasn't anyone who played a bad game for yeah. Miami, you know? Hassan, Drogic, uh Josh Richardson. My boy, Josh Richardson. Lou Aldang. And I think a lot of people – I mean, some people didn't expect this series to be close. I, I mean, I picked Hornets in six, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what are you all doing? And it's like the same thing. It's like keeps <laughs> happening. Your defense is supposed to be better than this. And Steve Clifford absolutely went off in his post game presser, saying, "You know, you just need to make adjustments." And you know, he's saying it's like you know, he was really killing the media. He's saying it's like when y'all say make adjustments, y'all are pretty much just based your reasoning off of players playing better and not actual adjustments, which was some heat from a head coach and a yeah post game presser. So I would I really but, wish somebody would have come back at him and said. Well, maybe you know you should adjust to playing some actual defense. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Miami shot seventy four point four percent in the first half of Game Two. They were ten for ten inside eight feet, I believe it is. You, I mean, it's just the same thing every time. They get in, they either get an open bucket or someone cheats. They don't get an open bucket there, but they pass it out and get a three. Yeah. It, ridiculous! Just, it you, kept it, happening. the The Charlotte guards have to stop penetration. That's the end of the story. You have to stop penetration. That's what has killed your defense this entire series. And, and Kemba Walker st- let just he just lets guys drive right by him. And he says, "Oh well, I have help in the paint." That's not how that works. Unless you have a Dwight Howard or. You know, uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan in their primes back there. Or even a Bismack Biombo who can erase. Even, oh, you got rid of him. Oh. Oh. Well, it doesn't went. help it, Kimba's backup is Jeremy Lin, who's not exactly the uh, defensive player of the year either. His hair might distract a couple <laughs> shots on a couple shots. And this is, I mean, Charlotte went 48 and 34 this year. They had a really good year. So did Miami. Right. Same exact but, record. My point is, well, you know, you had a lot of people saying, oh, you know, I guess MKG is not important as we think he is. This is exactly where MKG is extremely important. Yes. Because this would not be happening if he was on the floor. Right. This is, yeah, that is a guy who doesn't care about getting his shots. He just wants to play D and stop the other guy, which I don't think there's anybody on this, anybody else on this Hornets team who has that mentality. And that's a problem. Yeah. So pretty much this is what happens when your defensive scheming comes down to, oh, well, instead of playing Michael Kidd-Grilkers now, who could legitimately be like a top five defensive wing or, you know, sometimes he plays four. He's a fantastic defensive player. Instead, you're playing Marvin Williams and one of the Zeller brothers. I can't, <laughs> one of Tyler the Zeller. Zeller, I think. It's not, it's not ideal. Cody, I don't know. One of the Zellers. Awkward white guy. Oof. <laughs> oh, and Courtney Lee is out there. Courtney Lee's not that bad, but he's, I, don't, I mean, and Batum's out now because he rolled his ankle. Yes. In game yes, two and didn't come back. Him. 
They're screwed. The frustration <laughs> is real. I mean, we'll see what happens when they they go home to Charlotte. But God, they're screwed. There's if they're without Batum, you're gonna start it, Courtney it, Lee. And yeah, who's who's gonna play defense on the wing now? Who, uh, yeah, what's what's that lineup you have? Kimba and dude, Spencer Hawes got minutes. Courtney man. Lee what's and going? Spencer Hawes got minute meaningful minutes in a playoff game. What is happening? Bad things. Bad things is, are happening. This is why they have to do it. Oh, I don't geez. think Steve Clifford wants to do this, but he's, <laughs> he doesn't really. Have he's to running play. out of players. He's yes. He's they're 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 Memphising right now, which is not good. Ugh. Not good. Never be Memphis. Sorry, <laughs> Memphis, but you've had several problems this year. The Hold grit on. and grind has grinded you down to playing 28 different players on your roster. Okay, first of all, it is Cody Zeller, so I wanted to make that correction. Um, and here's the thing about game two. They played pretty well offensively for most of that game, Charlotte did, and they still couldn't keep up. Yeah. Al Jefferson was killing it at times in the post. It was awesome to watch. He, he and Kemba anything. Walker were carrying that team in the first half and just did not get any help. Marvin Williams was 0 for 10 from the field in 28 minutes. Minus 18, plus minus for him. Marvin Williams, you have to get buckets. That's how you help your team. If you're not going to stop anyone defensively, you have to at least score buckets. That's how that works. Are they going to start Troy Daniels now? Like I don't know if Batum can't go. I mean, Batum already had already played like 34 minutes at that point. Didn't he go down in like the beginning of the fourth quarter? I cannot remember, <laughs> but it is not good. <laughs> God, they okay, they're screwed. Sorry. <laughs> that there's, there's no way around this one. Move on Charlotte. to the West. We have an entertaining series. Yes, there is one, at least one entertaining series in the West. Which yep. is, there's one in the East, too, but either way. I'll start off with Clippers Blazers. That was last night. Clippers won again 21 by point, 20. 21 points. In yep. a series where I picked the Blazers. Same. I thought everybody thought the clips were going to clip, man. And they're not. It's they're kinda, not. And kind of disappointing. You know, I, I'm guess I'm going to have to take back one of my statements. Now I said for the past two weeks leading up to this these playoffs, playing Blake Griffin if he has a partially torn quad is a stupid decision. But then last night he dunked all over everybody. Yep. He's played fantastic Made so far in, in these two games. I don't appreciate that. Appreciate that. And McCollum and Lillard have been terrible for Portland. <laughs> the Clippers, the two, I mean, the two guys who we who we both thought would be great, are yeah. not great. The Clippers have just been completely like constantly trapping them, keep forcing them to pass the ball. And two, guess what? Two guys who should not be shooting. Yeah, it's simple as it's that. Exactly it's exactly what the Clips want. It's exactly what you should be doing. So shout out the Doc Rivers. You done game plan yeah. well, sir. Trap them if you know Ed Davis kills us, and I like Ed Davis. But if Ed Davis kills us, we'll live with that because they're not hitting threes at least. Yeah. Oh man, Trailblazers, why, <laughs> why are you letting Al Farouk Aminu shoot threes? I don't think I've seen him make one yet in this series. He might have made one or two, but he has been so bad. Why does he have a green light? He is such a bad shooter. He's never been a good shooter. Yeah, he's this is 
that's that's the guy you want to. I, there's a reason he is being left wide open. He's being left the openest of opens that ever opened. I mean, he's <laughs> they're giving him ten feet of space. Okay, so he actually shot thirty six percent this year on threes. Well, now my world is turned upside down. On a pretty uh, on four per game, it's like pretty decent volume. Let's see what the playoffs yeah, well, says. He's got the jitters or something. Playoff says three for fifteen. There you go. Seven of twenty five from the field total. Yikes. Hold on. You wait. Al Farouk Aminu took twenty five shots. Oh, that's over the course of two, two games. games. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was going to say, man, come on, dude. He definitely didn't take fifteen threes in <laughs> oh, in one game. Yo, it felt it's like it, it felt like it last night though. It was bad. He's it's I mean, again, you're being left open for a reason. Bruh, J.R. Smith post game that's not what I'm gonna do. But when he found out like so, you know, some interviews just like Cavs took thirty eight threes and Jared Smith looks down at like the stat sheet, looks up and he's just like, We took thirty eight threes? Damn <laughs> They tied they tied a playoff record for most threes in a game too. Twenty. Yeah, Twenty. They hit better than fifty percent of their threes. You can't come I mean you can take thirty eight threes when you hit twenty of them. Going on to the Clippers and Blazers though. Does this series? I mean, we've talked about this with the first couple of series that are doing. Does this series change at all? Going back to Portland, which has been one of the best home courts in the NBA for the past several years. Does this change at all? I mean, because Terry Stotts has to make some sort of huge adjustment, or someone just has to get hot. Because right now they are just destroying the bejesus out. Of, the Clippers are destroying the bejesus out of the Blazers, they're, and it's just those, pure glink game planning yeah, right now. Like you said, those traps are killing them. They have to find a guy who can come up to the free throw line, take that shot, and hit it consistently. I can. I think that's about the spot where they're where they're able to find these guys where they're where they're hitting them off the trap most times. Because this, I mean, you can't keep you you can't keep letting the Clippers trap you. You. You have to fix something, Terry Stotts. Something has to be done. You have to figure out ways. You have to you have to have plays that will negate a a trap or you, you know you don't you don't screen as much maybe so you don't bring the big man up to trap or you know you have to you have to have more movement elsewhere on the court. You need to find something that will alleviate the pressure off C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. Does Portland go small? Like they might. I mean, they're already a pretty small team, but they might have to go super small. If they go super small, take Plumlee off the court, maybe put someone else in there. They could conceivably make DeAndre Jordan just absolutely useless on defense. I mean, yeah. sure, he could rove the paint a little bit and try and block shots, but you know, if he's guarding a three-point shooter, he's not going to go out there and guard him, and now, now maybe you have a guy who's open on the, in the corner or something. But the problem is they don't have a whole lot of guys they could put in and be small and still be fine. And it doesn't help Myers Leonard isn't healthy. I can't believe I'm saying Miles Leonard. Myers is, uh, Leonard was huge for them yeah. this year. He was great. He can shoot. Yeah. I mean, his ability to shoot the three now is, I mean, it was huge, but... What what who what kind of lineup do you put in there? You have yeah. if you put Lillard and McCollum, maybe Mo Harkless. They already they already have Mo Harkless in starting right, lineup. Mo, right, Mo Harkless is there. Maybe you add Gerald Henderson and play Mo at the four. Play play Mo at the four, Henderson three, and 
But I guess Plumley is your starting you, center. You, you maybe pull put Ed Davis out there. Ed Davis, or I can't believe I'm saying this. Maybe even Alfaruk Aminu, but just don't let him shoot threes. Just <laughs> <laughs> say you have you have the red light to shoot threes. I mean, because right now this this starting lineup is what they're playing is Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, Harkless, Plumley. That's not gonna. That's the way the Clippers playing. That's not gonna get it done. Yeah. So I don't know if you, if you might have to just go super small. I mean. I mean, there's really nothing else you can do. Hope out. I mean, hope someone gets hot, or you're gonna have to make a huge adjustment. And it looks like huge adjustments the one on deck here. Yeah. So let Pat Connaughton get in and fire shots. Just let him fire it up. <clears throat> no. All right, that was worth a shot. Um. Still love you, Pat Connaughton. Next series, we got here, Golden State up two zero. On Houston, Steph Curry did not play game two. Didn't matter because Golden State's that much better than Houston, and Houston kind of sucks. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Being very generous over there. Well, they did make the playoffs. I don't mean, I don't... Congrats, <laughs> because the Utah Jazz basically gave it they to They kind of suck. I mean, I know we've tried, but they kind of suck. And it's not full suck, it's because they still made the playoffs, <laughs> but... Golden State won 73 games for a reason. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't all because of Steph Curry. Still have Draymond, still have Clay, still have, you know, a super bench of Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. So. And Mo Spates. <laughs> Mo Spates, yeah. Mo Spates, Mo Problems. Former Gator. Mo Former Spates. Giving him my shout out. I mean, so, how, I mean, just. Do do we have to watch two more games of this? Really? Just can we just? You know what? Their mercy it, rule. It was interesting. Golden State really didn't pull away in that second game until the fourth quarter, and those starters were in. I thought too long, because that should have been a blowout way earlier than that. And I I hated watching every second of it because it was more James Harden not playing defense. We got some Josh Smith troll threes out of it though. Yeah, we did. We also got a Dwight Howard uh, DQ out of six fouls. Yep. Which, if I'm him, I want to get out of there, too. I'll foul, <laughs> I'd foul. I would have fouled out in the first minute. How quickly do I get out of Houston? Yeah. But the thing is, he was 5 of 7, and then they just stopped feeding him. That's been the story of Houston this year. Yeah. I think, and I mean, there was one play, James, <laughs> James Harden didn't even try to get it to him. He threw, He said, oh, I'm going to try and throw an alley-oop. He throws it off the backboard. What are you, like, what are you doing? That's, you, that's not a basketball play. If you were to write the recap for this season, you pretty <laughs> much just nailed it with that entire sequence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with a WTF at the end. Yeah, and, I mean, even what you started with before, I butted in, you know, Harden not playing defense. They don't find Dwight when he's playing well um and they just don't play team basketball this isn't a good team yes there's some good pieces but it's not a team this is one of those cases where you know the sum of the parts is is less than the individual talent it's james harden's squad of bros minus dwight howard he's the guy nobody wants in there but he's kind of your little brother and you have to let him in and everybody decides fine we'll let him play even though he's older it's James than most Harden's of those guys. squad of, you know, skip into the paint, you know, flex your head back, you know, try to get a foul call, and then it doesn't work, and then everybody's like, "Well, that's that was a possession." <laughs> 
So that happened. Yeah. God, Houston's terrible. Make this um, quick, Golden State. Yeah. Do Do you think they play Curry game three? I mean, they don't need to. He has a he rolled his ankle in I game one. I don't think they do. I don't think they nearly need to. I I think. Um, I saw he was he was at one of their practices in Houston, and he was saying basically, you know, if they need me, I'll I'll go. But I don't think they do. So just, <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he said. He didn't say that outright, but you know, it was kind of a if they need me, I'll go. If not, I can get another game of rest, whatever, make my ankle feel good. I mean, what's the word? Ooh, we lost the game. Yeah, I'm sure you can do that twice. Yeah, no, you're not. Well, no. we get to play. We get to eliminate the series at home now. Yeah, yeah. We we get we get more ticket sales for the yeah. fans. Congrats. Yeah, those merch sales. Merch. Get their stipends. That's right. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Get, getting that merch money. That's what it's all about. Gosh. Jesus. I remember I picked that game. I mean, I picked Golden State in three. Just cause it's like, get this yes. series over with. It's Bucks stupid. and six. Bucks and six. Let's ride. I think the Bucks would put up a better series than Houston would right now. I would not doubt that. We'd get to watch Giannis at least. I was going to say, Giannis would be fun to watch. You're going to fun to watch. Dallas OKC is tied at 1-1. Oh, man. That game two was epic. Oh, I loved every second of that game two, man. Kevin Durant in game two shot seven for 33 from the field. And wasn't he something of two of 20 outside the paint? Yeah. Something like that. Wasn't very good. Russell Westbrook was a little bit better, but, I mean, he was, I think, like, let me try to get my numbers right here, like eight for 22 or something, I think. Something like that. Wasn't good. They had like forty points on a, a combined forty points on fifty five shots. I mean, they still had a shot. They almost got the putback. Uh, Stephen Adams almost had the putback oh, at the buzzer, but it was tenth you know, of a like second late, a millisecond man. late, tenth of a second. And Dallas did that with pretty much without Darren Williams for like half that game. They 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 did exactly what they were supposed to do. They muddied the game and they made it an awkward, ugly game, and they won. They still don't and, have JJ Barea either, and they don't even have JJ Barea. But Raymond Felton played a surprisingly good game. I was I my mind was blown. He had what twenty two points, twenty one yeah. points. He played great. And then Wesley Matthews didn't play great in the first half at all, but really stepped it up, I thought, late in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And his defense, his defense, he was working really hard on defense at the very least. I don't care what you say. If you don't think it was very good, he was working his butt off. And he was the reason they got a couple extra possessions in there. And they, I think they got that one run out at the end uh, to, put them up at, to put them up four at one point. And that was huge. He made it should have been an and one, I thought, but he made. Um, I think Stephen Adams was chasing him, was was on his hip chasing him down the floor, and he had that layup to go up by four. And then KD hit the three on the next possession. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if he doesn't hit that layup, I mean, KD might have just won the game. Yeah. Does Oklahoma City need to be sort of freaked out at this point because Rick Carlisle is legitimately a wizard? Yes. So he, actual sorcery. Yeah. He's the guy I mean, he just he's able to pull these games out of these guys. I mean, we have Raymond Felton scoring having a double double. That was the sound of the And we my had JJ Berea killing it before that the start of the playoffs. Yeah. Just what? What how the hell are they doing this? But 
seriously, Rick Carlisle, <laughs> explain yourself. Have you made a deal with the devil? What's going on here? Are you a wizard? Have Are you me? always been a wizard? The answer is yes. Which which school did you go to? Did you go to Hogwarts? He went to Durmstrang. <laughs> he does seem sort of like an Eastern European kind of guy. <laughs> Don't Come on. do it. Oh, he did it. Oh, man, he did it. But this is, man, I want to see more of this series. This could get really fun. And also, OKC, word of advice, don't bring a lead into the fourth quarter because you are bound to lose it. They they have the most leads lost after three quarters. They have the most losses when leading after three quarters this season. I think it was 15 of such losses. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, it's not. I mean, obviously you don't want to be the league leader in that category, but they, they're like particularly bad at it yeah and that's one of the things billy donovan was you know brought in to do is yes fix that very specific scenario right this is what scott brooks got fired for is when they have late game offense they don't have an offense they have katie chucking shots and westbrook chucking shots westbrook chucks a ton too but they just stop playing offense and there's certain point it's i saw someone on twitter mention this and it might actually be a legitimate comment. Kevin Durant takes so many, might take so many bad shots because he's such a good shooter that there's so actually few bad shots. But when you're in the fourth quarter, you can't get away with that like you can in the first three quarters. Yeah, those those shots are magnified and mean a lot more in the fourth quarter when it's a close game. It's just like, what do you... I mean, in fourth quarter, this Dallas game, too, he was terrible. This chucking unrelentlessly, you know, trying to get the three to go ahead. It's like, what are you doing? Where's an offense? Let, let Westbrook try something. Yeah, let you him know, run Get in something. and kick out to Morrow or somebody. or God, post up Cantor. I don't care. I don't Stop care. chucking. You're 7 for 33. At some point you have to realize maybe shooting the ball isn't the best option for us at this point. Gosh, what Maybe we it? should get it inside and try and get fouled. They go to Dallas. I don't know if that's tonight or tomorrow. Either way, um, not going to be a pretty sight. Yeah, the I mean it's it it that's almost reaching Toronto levels of uh what what are you guys doing here? I'll <laughs> sure y'all all right because it doesn't look that way. <sighs> ben, really stunning. Ben, Spurs, Memphis. Tell me about this series. I'm enthralled by this. No, you're not. Don't, you're right. Don't patronize you're right. me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Spurs are wondering when the Memphis Grizzlies are going to show up. They're they're wondering who these guys in these jerseys are because that doesn't look like the the Memphis Grizzlies that the, started this season. They want the Grizzlies to show up. They need to go to a damn hospital. <laughs> yeah, they need to go to the hospital where the rehab center is. Um, this is the, the Spurs are. Doing classic Spurs things, they're gonna blow out the Memphis Grizzlies. They're gonna they're gonna get their it's gonna rest. Be boring. It's gonna be boring, but you're gonna have to deal with it. They're they're enjo- they're gonna enjoy their rest for whoever they play next. Here's some fun and ins- sort of inside info. When I was working uh, TNT the other night, and these the Spurs Grizzlies game was on, game two, and I think like nobody on the Spurs. I mean, Spurs won by a ton. Like nobody on the Spurs had more than like thirteen points, and it's like, do we have to make a graphic for somebody here? Because no one did well. This game s- sucked. 
And the inside crew pretty much said as much on television. It's like, you know, I remember Chuck said on television, we don't got any highlights, but we got some lowlights. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Chuck, is, Chuck has been great this postseason, by the way. Completely if you, unfiltered. Yeah, if you're not watching TNT, then you're not watching Chuck at his best because he gives zero Fs, and it's phenomenal. I mean, is there anything to take from this series at all? And Spurs are going to win. I, the, I mean, I, they Ray. they just have to come out of this healthy. That's it. Just make just don't just don't tibs guys. Don't run people into the ground. Anything like that. Well, yeah, they never do that. And the, right. Th- this could be important because if they just sweep the bejesus out of Memphis, you know, people thought OKC could sweep the bejesus out of Oklahoma City, and I don't know why I'm saying that phrase because it's stupid. But anyways. <laughs> If this Dallas OKC series actually becomes like a hotly contested series, like six game series, and Spurs get off like another like four days in comparison to Oklahoma City, that could turn the tides a lot because a lot of people are saying, well, Oklahoma City could get past the Spurs and be the ones in the conference finals facing the Warriors. And that could be interesting. Fourth quarter meltdowns. But if they keep doing this, you know, the Spurs just might get that extra rest and say, okay, screw you guys, we're the Spurs. Screw you guys. We'll do Spurs things. We'll do Spurs things. Because that's what we do. That is what we do. Saw, saw an interesting article yesterday. Uh, someone from the tele, what is it? The Star Telegram said that Rick Carlisle is a better coach than Greg Popovich. No. Just wanted yeah. to make sure that yeah. was brought to your attention so you could get I, I mean, I like Rick Carlo. I, I mean, I said he was drawing magical right. powers yes. earlier, he's, obviously. He's not a bad coach, but he's not it's like better. Popovich. His, his, <laughs> argument, his argument was that Carlisle gets way more out of his guys than what Popovich has ever had to do. I mean, he got, he got a title out of just primetime Dirk and... Twilight Jason Kidd. And J.J. Barea. And J.J. Barea. And J.J. Barea suckering LeBron in in that 2011 finals. And uh, effectively ending Andrew Bynum's career after that ejection. That was fun. Who else is on? Hold on. before We're we're running low on time here, but I have to take a moment here to look at that 2011 roster from Dallas. Let's see what they got out of that. We had we had Dirk, we have Kid, Berea. Um, this is Portland. Why are you showing me Portland basketball <laughs> reference? What are you doing? We are who we thought they were. Yeah, we're 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 running out of time. The internet's saying, "Yeah, you are." I'm going to make sure you are running out of time. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Some news, I guess. Actual news. Actual news. Here we go. Minnesota has a new head coach and head of basketball operations. Tom, Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau, come on down. I said, I think last week when we were doing coaching carousel, and this is coaching carousel is sort of related to the prices, right? I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, now this loads. Anyway, I said Thibodeau would be a great coaching hire for Minnesota. Fantastic coaching hire. But I don't know how to feel about him as a head of basketball operations. I hate this so much. Teams are giving away so much responsibility to one guy. This is this is not the first time that a team has given the president and coaching role to one guy. Doc Rivers has that role 
in with the Clippers. And up until recently, he had not been doing a very good job. SVG's been doing fantastic in Detroit, SVG though. SVG has been doing fantastic. He's one of the few guys who can pull it off. So, Thibodeau... But you have to have the right yeah. guy. I don't see Thibodeau as a guy who can manage both of those things. Budenholzer's technically doing that now, too. But, so, where I question this is, I wonder if this will be like what's happening in Atlanta. Is Wes Wilcox is the GM now. If Thibodeau's just like, all right, I'm the coach, but I also want, you know... I'm also going to be, you know, the final guy in decisions. But you just go work, and I'll let you do that for, you know, the new GM, Scott Layden. Yeah. If that if that's the way that works, that's fine. But we don't need, you know, don't do not do a Doc Rivers, who has been terrible at equity. He's been, I mean, he's done a good coaching job, but he's been terrible as the GM. Just has not brought in the right guys at at certain times. But don't get me wrong, he does get a lot out of the guys he does have. Okay, did anybody think Cole Aldridge was going to be a serviceable backup again? No. He has been pretty decent in his playoffs. He was really good when Blake Griffin was out, too. Yeah. And also looking at this 2011 Dallas roster, since it's on my computer now, it's actually a better team than I remembered. We still had Matrix at that point. Yes. Tyson Chandler. So, anyways. Rick Carlisle, still a wizard. Still. Tom Thibodeau, potentially a wizard, who drains the power from his players by playing them 48 minutes a night. (laughs) If he could, he'd play them 52 (laughs) minutes a night. Yeah, he probably would. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. I don't he's think... gonna he's gonna he's gonna go up to Carl Anthony Towns in their first meeting as player and coach, and he's gonna say, "Hey, what are you twenty? Hey, you're gonna play forty minutes a game. How does that sound to you?" <laughs> how this is how I would present it. <laughs> oh no! How does twenty five and twelve sound to you? Ah. Because that's what you're gonna be doing <laughs> playing forty minutes a night. I mean, he's playing like thirty now, so it's like increase your output by thirty three percent, there, buddy. Jeez. Be great, which is not necessarily how these things work. By the way, he has all these young guys. I mean, they'll. I think they'll put together a decent roster. I don't think it'll be as big of an issue in Minnesota as it was in Chicago, unless they have the injury issues like they did in Chicago. Right. Which is just an unfortunate situation. You can't predict that. So I mean, you can kind of predict it when you're running guys for that many minutes a game. There are certain there are certain injuries you can predict. The freak. Injuries, obviously not, but there are, you know, knee aches, when, joint aches, foot pains. When you know Joe Kim Noah has, like, plantar fasciitis and everything, you can't be out there playing on 40 minutes still, even it's, if he wants to. It's unacceptable. It doesn't matter what the player wants yeah. at that point. You have to look we'll out see. for his health and safety. We'll see. And I hope it works out because Minnesota has the potential to be a very fun, competitive team. And they deserve it because they haven't been in the playoffs since like 2004. And they could be one of they could quickly turn around and become one of the better defensive teams as well, which is really what I'm excited about. Yeah, you have the pieces there. Yeah, Wiggins, you have Cat. I mean, Levine and Rubio could be. I mean, Rubio is a good defender. I don't know. You have to find other guys on the rest of the roster to fill in. Anyways, we're running out of time. Ben, final thoughts? Anything? Playoffs? Whatever. Um, thought Phoenix hiring Earl Watson was a great call. Taking the interim tag off him, I think the players responded to him really well. Happy for him. Uh, hoping other teams that have openings don't make dumb decisions. That's all I'm asking. I hope over the next few days we get some sort of competitive games out of this first round. Also true. Because it has been awful. Horrific. 
Except in the Hawks series. Hawks win in four. <laughs> or five, since I guess I predicted five, so I can be right. There you go. Although four would be better. <laughs> Just a quick rundown. Um, on our playoff predictions before we go here, I think Ben's technically ahead of me right now. All right. Um, you had Cavs in four. Toronto in five, Heat in seven, Boston in six, which might kill you. Which will probably kill me. But you also had Spurs in four. Yes. And Blazers in seven. Where I'm getting killed right now is Hornets in six and Blazers in six. Yikes. Yikes. And Spurs in five. God, why did I pick Memphis to win a game? That's not happening. (laughs) Anyways, we're out of time. You made it this far in the podcast. We appreciate you for listening. And we'll be back to you next week.